Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Andy Pedic with us, which he is the co-founder and CEO of Founderis, which is a company that helps connect entrepreneurs together. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to kind of diving in deep into what you do uh, within your company, because it's a lot of my ideology of connecting entrepreneurs together and really my ideology in regards to business is one human means speaking to another. And that's what you guys do essentially uh, when it comes to your business, connecting top tier entrepreneurs. So before diving into all this stuff that I want to kind of talk about within that world, I gave a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners? Sure. So my background, I'm probably uh, most often kind of known as a marketing guy. I have been working for, I don't know, 12 or 13 years in the beverage and food industry doing product development for wineries and breweries and startup food companies. And during the pandemic, my agency ran into a lot of our clients having a hard time. You know, they took a break, they were getting subsidies from the government, they weren't allowed to sell their products. We had a lot of farmers market kind of clients where they didn't have outdoor markets for two years. So it became really difficult because Everyone in the universe wants to design beer cans for a living uh, and get to do cool websites and graphic design and work with with these kind of companies. But I kind of felt like, first of all, I have a very emotional connection to our clients and it was difficult during the pandemic as it was for everyone. But also designing wine labels wasn't really putting food in people's mouths or helping the greater world. So in 2020, I embarked on a two-year uh, project to help change online storytelling. So I subsidized uh, podcasts. We had a studio. We had an incubator program for college students. We built this media company doing podcasting and YouTubes and online media. And over two years, we did about 1,500 episodes and we got about 150,000 hours of downloads. But most importantly, we were able to donate almost a quarter million dollars, uh, US dollars of of subsidized services, sponsorships, scholarships. So you can imagine like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour expert thing. My unique area of genius that I'm one of the best people in the US or maybe further in is specifically consumer packaged goods development. I am not an expert broadcaster, but I figured if we set out the first week that I put out a a application call for podcasters, we had 5,000 applications and they were all, you know, professional radio hosts in the past or academics or authors or whatever. And we ended up with some of the most unique things out there, which I love, but we pretty much uh, spent, I transitioned my team. I helped a couple of my employees get jobs at other companies. And we really went all out there to put it all back into 
the greater good. So I sold the podcasting studio at the two-year mark this summer, and I took about six months off to decide what I was going to do next. I've owned several businesses over the years. I've invested in a lot of businesses and coach a lot of young entrepreneurs. In the meantime, I had a business doing uh, publicity with with a co-founder, my same co-founder, Abby Rosenblum. She owns a matchmaking business here in Colorado where she helps people find love. And she's become one of the premier matchmakers in the United States. And so she had this really cool system of, of putting the people together based on values and other factors. And I'll come back to that in a minute, I, I guess, when we talk about Founderist. But I took about six months off, road tripped, wrote a book, did a course, kind of helped a lot of friends, did some photography, and decided what the next thing was going to be. And for a couple of years, we've been talking about introducing business matchmaking. And you can imagine doing matchmaking if you're on a dating app you can tell people what your favorite food is where you went to college and how tall you are and maybe you like skiing but that doesn't tell anybody whether you are you know a racist or you uh you have a cat or you sleep with your mouth open i mean i don't know what deal breakers might be but those things that take five or six dates or figuring out somebody's a complete weirdo you, you hire a matchmaker to find vetted people and do due diligence on them and put you in an opportunity to succeed. So you're not going out there and, and introducing yourself to strangers at Whole Foods. Same thing goes for business. Networking events are unbearable for most people. I identify largely as an introvert. I'm very animated in a group of less than five. So I handle the media interactions and the one-on-ones. But my partner, you can imagine, she walks into a place and knows every single person there within five minutes. And so we're connecting people that want to be collaborators, board members, uh, advisors of any kind, co-founders, and finding people, these relationships that can be referral partners or can be confidants in business based on the specific geography, values, industry, growth stage, whatever it is they want. We are headhunting for the person you want to meet to further your business in the next couple of months. And we're doing it at the same time as helping people with media outreach and mastermind groups and online speed networking and all these things. So I'm very blessed to be able to take that that national, international reach that I garnered in the podcasting thing and apply it to this very cool system that my partner brought in matchmaking to help people connect in authentic ways and further their business beyond just dropping into people's DMs or LinkedIn messages or whatever. That was the longest winded explanation, but I hope it served. So first of all, I was going to say that I'm like, there's a lot to unpack here because you definitely gave us a whole spectrum. So congratulations, first of all, to really pivoting yourself uh, during the pandemic, which a lot of people had to do and a lot of people didn't succeed at. And what it seems like you actually succeeded and not only succeeded, but you exited on that business, which was the podcasting business. And then you realized, (coughs) pardon me, you realized that a big part of business is that collaboration, is that connection. And that's what I truly believe. At the end of the day, once you have the skills, you have a certain talent within that realm, like you kind of alluded to Malcolm Gladwell with 10,000 hours, that that research that he, he brought in the forefront within his book, Outliers, you realize that the next thing, which is probably one of the most important things in business, is connecting. Is one human being meeting another human being. And once that connection happens, and the more you do that connection, and the more you're eloquent to explain your uh, ideology or your services or what you're doing in the universe for helping, then you'll be able to grow your business. So when did that 
click happened for you? Was it because you had your co-founder and you knew that she was doing exactly that in the dating world and like, hey, this would be a great fit within the business? When did you realize that as an entrepreneur of like the value of connecting with other entrepreneurs makes you go forward so much more in your business and it helps other people? You're able to help other people as well with their business. It's really added up over a few years. I'm very fortunate that in the industry that I worked in, I mentioned the beverage industry, I've owned a brewery, I've owned a wine brokerage business, I put on festivals, I've kind of worked in every area of one industry. Mm. And I have such a training and connection in that space that for several years, all of my business came by referral. Mm. And I didn't really have to worry about selling myself. But after doing this, the podcast thing was all based in giving back and altruism. And we put all the money we made back into producing more content with positive vibes, people like therapists and yogis and authors and parents and getting away from a little bit of the uh, drama of politics and, and the kind of content that people are getting into. So I liked the idea of having all that reach. And between that and the booking business, we were communicating with millions of listeners and thousands of podcasters and I kind of wanted to walk away from managing a podcasting studio, but I didn't want to walk away from making the impact on those people. And so it's kind of a two-parter. Like if I booked you on the local news station in Montreal, I bet you would get seen by a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I can necessarily uh, tell you what, I mean, their age demographic might skew older than what your clients are. There might not be enough business owners or just giving people advertising based on on a CRM or some kind of reach, like people are focused on advertising and Instagram uh, and Facebook revenues, it's, it's very hard if you have a service-based business, especially if you're not an e-commerce brand, people get just buried by an obsession with SEO, an obsession with, with social media uh, uh, advertising, as I mentioned. Nothing beats the old-fashioned hand-to-hand introduction. And... Now that we can go out and go to networking events again, that's fine. But some people like myself uh, don't like going to those events. I show up, I end up talking to the one crypto bro in the corner for like 20 minutes, take a phone call, take a bathroom break, Irish goodbye, apologize later. But I just hate being there because I never find people that have anything in common with me. I would rather be somewhere else. It's kind of a waste of my time. If I could show up to a place and know that every person in the, this room is a graphic designer or a photographer or works for nonprofits, it would be a little bit different story. And so we're setting out to create that environment online, but also to allow people the opportunity, kind of this yin and yang that my partner and I have found. I've had a ton of business partners, but having one that is very extroverted, she was a TV producer before she was a matchmaker. She's got an electrifying personality. And I do really well with longer formed relationships mm -hmm. that uh, are built over time. I, I'm not good at the cold or the lukewarm sale. I'm not really that good at sales anyway. And so it's uh, I have such a great experience with my co-founder. And I think that we as a duo are a really good example for what people would want to get from our service. But it's it's all, all different kinds of things that people are looking for. And it may even be we have, we have one group of connection we call uh, solvers. And so you might say, Hey, I want to start a podcast, but I'd love to meet a podcast producer. So I'm not Googling who should edit my podcast. 
Yeah. Or I'd love to meet a podcaster who's made money from it so I can hear about like what a realistic timeline is for monetizing my program. And so you could say, I had a woman the other day that was like, I'm a marketing expert and I've worked for a ton of marketing agencies and I, I am a fractional CMO and a couple tech companies, but I don't want people to know that like, I'm not very good at web design. I kind of need to help with a web designer, but just because you're good at marketing doesn't mean you're supposed to be a web developer, but that's those things. You know, I might say I, I'm very successful in my business, but I, I could use a bookkeeper right now. And I'd love to have one kind of referred to me. So I don't end up using the Google machine all the way up to, I want to start a new product. And I would love to meet someone who knows how to import textiles from China and maybe go into it and endeavor with me making yoga pants, whatever. So Andy, once again, there's a lot that we're going to unpack here. And there's a couple of things that kind of came <laughs> up to me. First and foremost, you kind of mentioned this twice. You're saying that, hey, you're a uh, introvert and your co-founder is an extrovert. I actually believe if you permit here that you're actually an ambivert, which everybody is somewhat on the spectrum. Ambivert, essentially you're in the middle. You probably have more introvertness, but you definitely have, you're not somebody that's super in because you're very eloquent in the way that you're speaking right now. Granted, you did mention that you're more comfortable in the setting of like, you know, from zero to five people, anything more than that is a bit more tough, but that is ambivert. So just wanted to, clarify that for our listeners, it's about a spectrum. And you don't necessarily need to be that outlandishly extroverted person because we know all we all know those people to succeed in networking, which I know that you're very successful at being air quotes here, an ambivert or an introvert. So I wanted to highlight that first of all. Second thing you mentioned that people that have services that sell our product that is more service-based, it is more difficult to sell it via, uh, uh, I guess, like ads on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, or all that stuff, or even like you said, going on a news station. Uh, it's so much easier in that face-to-face, -face, shaking the hand and getting that connection, that in-depth approach. Unpack that. Always Why is that? And why is, why is that the case? And how should these types of people that are selling services approach their marketing to grow their business? Well, I think part of it is a lot of business owners get turned off by in-person events because of the people that they expect to see there. So there are industries where by nature of just how it is, you have to be a seller. I'm talking real estate, finance, insurance, things were like just every day. And so I go to even like uh, pitch events for entrepreneurs or, you know, demo days for college students or whatever. And half the people in the industry are people who are service providers who want to serve them with a loan or insurance or equipment or website development or whatever. And so a lot of people turned off by going to networking events because it's not people that are like them. Or uh, let's, you know, I said earlier, if I showed up to a place that was all graphic designers, how cool would that be? But that's also all competitors. So you're not really getting that much further. If like you showed up to a real estate thing and everyone in the room is a real estate agent, you're not really, I mean, maybe you could learn from each other, but you're not going to be closing business. So to the, to the amnivert thing that you said, I always tell people I would rather give a Ted talk in front of 2000 people than walk into a bar where I don't know anyone. You know, I'm just not the walk up to a stranger kind of person, but I'm extremely animated when we know each other. And that's, it just really works that way. So there's something about, and winding it back a little bit to my partner's matchmaking business, setting people up on a blind date is something that seems horrifying to many. And that's how she does it. You know, you're pre-vetted. This person is matched on all these extra factors that 
that you might be, you know, are you allergic to grapefruit? Do you sleep with the window open? They're just things that, you know, it's very odd, but as much as you're willing to share with a matchmaker, you're paying them to find you a perfect person. And so you show up to a date and there's a reservation already made for you. You get the person's first name and their phone number like an hour before and you go in, but then afterwards they both talk to the matchmaker and give feedback. And then she talks to the other one again and says, Hey, you know, they weren't really feeling it, but there was a friend connection or they said, you talked about yourself too much, but you know, constructive feedback onto the next one. And so having that person where you can ask for, uh, what your real goals are. So I say to people, if you're going to pay to be part of a referral organization or a networking organization, you want me to introduce you to people that can be your clients. Sure. If somebody says, I, I need a business coach or I need a writing coach or whatever, obviously I'm going to connect them with whoever comes to mind in our database that is that. But I would rather introduce you to somebody that can give you 50 referrals. You know, I would rather introduce you to the producer of, of a retreat or seminar events or trade shows or something where they have an entire list of people that are going to be going to be partners for you. And you might be a advantageous uh, introduction for them as well. So the other group I mentioned, the, the uh, solvers is kind of like, I have a current need. I need a virtual assistant or whatever. The middle is like, I want to meet people and Maybe we hit it off and one of us becomes a board member for the other or uh, some kind of supporter. And then the third one is, is expanders. And expanders are, I would love to meet someone who is connected in real estate in New York City and who could show me the lay of the land, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, it's very funny because when you're a human to human service, you don't want to sound like a robot, right? Especially with AI and how everything is going right now. We have this, we call it the 12-point system of matching, and there's hundreds of millions of permutations of how people can connect based on our interview process. But at the same time, there are two human beings who are making every single introduction. Right now, and for at least the first year, the two owners of this company are the ones that are handling every single person. And yeah, we have a lot of help systematically and with websites and emails, and you know, it takes a village. But Abby and I are very serious about if you say you're the matchmaker, you are the matchmaker. And there have been a lot of companies on the dating side that have recruited a bunch of, you know, pretty 23-year-old college graduates to do recruiting. And there isn't really a human that's matchmaking you. And the whole, like, kind of get away from apps and work with human things has kind of already been a little sullied by the fact that people have found a way to take advantage of the emotions of people who need the help. Yeah. And so we're, we have started onboarding people December 1st. This is a brand new business. We're actually in the soft launch. We are fully launching January in our first service month. And we've already been onboarding dozens of people. And it's just fascinating to hear people where they want to be in a year and where they want to be in five years, because you ask that on a podcast all the time in terms of just like, what are your goals? But when you're talking to a matchmaker, it's like between now and the end of second quarter next year, what three people could I introduce you to that would propel your sales? Does your strawberry jam need a distributor in San Diego? And could I maybe try to find that for you? Which is pretty fascinating or an investor or whatever else. The only things that we say that we don't do are facilitating investor relationships and hiring. But 
likely a lot of the people you're going to meet are investors. You just got to do that on your own. Yeah, you got to find that here. Uh, Andy, I feel like this is very interesting and I want to get a bit more in the nitty gritty and potentially to talk into what is actually, like I said, like your services in regards to how much it costs, what type of people are you looking for? Because if there's viewers and listeners right now that are listening and be like, hey, this could be very interesting. What would that relationship look like? Is it on a monthly basis? Uh, do you assure that you're going to get X amount of uh, you know, uh, connections? Is it more specifically to what they need? Is it custom per person? What's your approach, especially that you said you you are a, just doing the pre-launch and pretty much a new company in that regards and launching officially in January uh, 2023? Yeah, so I hope I don't regret this, but similar to the podcasting, we're subsidizing most of the process. So there's also a culture, and I don't know what it's like in Canada, but there's these companies that are in pretty much every market that do these referral groups, and you pay, you know, thousand, two thousand bucks a month to be a part of these, and they say, rest assured, there is only one person from each industry in these groups, yeah. and you're all referring to each other. But that doesn't mean that like the one guy in that group who sells real estate is a good person or has anything in common with you or you with them. And so we set out to do this entire process and it's one fee, it's 789 US dollars, 800 bucks, and that's it for the year, uh, at least for 2023. So what you get from that is at least six of those high value one-on-one -on -one introductions. So typically one every other month, or maybe they're all in January, or maybe they're all in December. But for each person, they set the guidelines, what they're looking for. And we really seek in between, there'll be a lot of those, hey, I need a person who's a podcast editor, you know, like we'll send them your way. But we just can't guarantee how many of those there might be. But as far as a one-on-one -on -one introduction with a person that is likely going to be a game changer for your business or mutually, uh, we do six of those throughout the year. And then monthly, we have these speed networking events using a kind of a speed dating software where you're paired with people for five minutes. And so you can opt into meeting as many people as you want at our virtual events. And then we're organizing mastermind groups and doing them by, by industry or by growth stage. So you'll probably get invited to be a part of one or two groups should you choose to participate. But we're really leaving it open-ended for as much as our people want to interact and then they can send us their latest promotional materials or uh i'm open to meeting people a lot in the first quarter i will make time for it or i want to be on podcasts whatever but the core things are you get those highly targeted one-on-one -on -one introductions you get to participate in networking events you can be in groups should you choose you will be invited to be in some that match for you and then we have live streams and podcasts and blogs that we work with that we get guaranteed exposure for our people on which is pretty exciting. I love that. All idea. for the low, low price of 800 US dollars. <laughs> Not pitching here, but there you go. But no, I, I, I like that approach. And I like the way that it's kind of like uh, alluded and you kind of structured it. And it does seem like you pretty much know exactly what you're offering, how to go about it. And then it just seems to, to, to look at for the individual, hey, is there a fit within my business, my needs? And I do agree with you. You alluded to it as a business uh, provider and a service provider within uh, my speaking and my coaching business at Data Enterprises, 
everything happens through connection or when I am on stage and people see me. I could do as many ads as I want, but if it's not a specific product that's a specific price and people people could buy it right away, I do agree with you. It is not at all the same retention or even sales rate. So I love that approach. I truly see the value in this. Now it's a question of how can you guys deliver it in that regard? But Andy, everything you mentioned was just beautiful. Uh, we're coming down to time over here, but there's still a couple of things I want to ask you. And I feel like we could talk until tomorrow morning because we're just flowing uh, and you're kind I'll of asking fast. these questions. Yeah, very well over here. So Andy, it's it's very obvious that you're somebody that is succeeding quite well in your life and you've kind of gone from one venture to another and you have great pivot skills as we kind of alluded to in the beginning of the, uh, the, the podcast over here. And we learn a lot from people's successes, right? And we learn a lot from our own success, but I truly believe we learn even more within our failures, but you don't need to necessarily just learn from your failures. You can learn from other people's failures and kind of adjust accordingly. So my question to you is, knowing that you're extremely successful, what is something right now that you're having a hard time with, maybe in air quotes, failing at, or there's potential for you to optimize within your business right now? And how do you go about looking at it to improve upon it right now? I'm really glad you asked this because listening to your show, I know you like to dive into the the real motivations behind things. And you gave me 20 minutes to promote my new business because I'm very excited about it. But I am, you know, when you get those people where they say it took me 20 years to be an overnight success, that kind of thing. So I have had a lot of highs and lows and I've made other people a lot of money and I've started a lot of businesses, but more have failed than have succeeded mm -hmm. or it's the right idea, the wrong time the right idea, the wrong people, bad idea, lots of motivation. But I really teach bootstrapping and every business I've ever started has started from zero in terms of money and has really just kind of slowly snowballed. Whereas maybe uh, larger businesses can kind of wheel into existence if they have a lot of money, especially in packaged goods. You see brands come out that are not that great, but if you put a lot behind them, you're, you're going to be out there. So I would say my personal struggle, uh, the biggest one by far is, is money. I had a, maybe a bad relationship with money growing up and I don't know, most of our family friends in my childhood all went to Ivy league schools and became doctors and lawyers, my brother included. And I was kind of like the artsy musical one. And when I went to college to be an advertising guy and I got recruited by a fancy wine company into their management program. I'd be lying if I said that it didn't mean something to me straight out of college that I was making more money than friends. And I probably didn't realize that until 10 years later, but I was very proud at my ability to succeed in a sales capacity, um, which I just told you that I hate sales. I don't really hate sales, but the, the whole idea of when you get into a relationship with a business partner, and this is a perfect place to land with a conversation about Founderist. When you get into business with somebody, you're also in business with their spouse or with their background, their family, whatever. And I've gone into business with friends. I've gone into business with extended family. I've been through a divorce. I've been through a bankruptcy. I've been sued several times. I mean, I've really experienced tr trademark and patent infringements. I mean, I've experienced most of the things that you don't want to happen to you as a young entrepreneur. And it's just been by smashing my head into the wall a hundred times. And the number of times I've gone from dude with backpack, solopreneuring to 10 employees to dude with backpack to, you know, back and up and down, up and down. 
it's it's important to be nimble and ready to pivot. But one of the big principles, and there's several books on this now, but the whole pay yourself first thing, I've never been the pay yourself first thing. And at the top of this conversation, I told you about my marketing agency going into the pandemic. And I was getting handwritten notes from my clients with tears on them that said, we can't pay our bills. And I did discounts and payment plans and credit and all these things. But I still had employees that worked for me that I was paying for. And so I just decided to forego. I was living with family. I was, you know, hardly paying my own way to live to support all of my employees, all of our clients, everyone that I knew. And it really needs to come down to your own health first, because if your coin purse doesn't unwind, your mental health will. And I would definitely say that uh, I don't see myself as a huge success. I think I've been able to connect with the right people that have kept me going in order to see these dreams through. But you got to think about what your mission is. And if I can help thousands of people instead of one at a time, I'm going to keep pushing to do that. And it took me a long time to find that over the past few years, adopting it into this most recent thing. So Andy, I love what you just mentioned over here. And I want to highlight a couple of things for our viewers and listeners. First and foremost, the basis of being a high-performing individual is high levels of self-awareness. And you've leaned into that question and truly appreciate it. And you're really able to pinpoint like, hey, this is somewhere that I need to optimize, aka I'm struggling with. And it's that money mindset thing. Uh, and I completely get that. And by all means, you're not the only one. Far from it. Everybody uh, has the, those limiting beliefs that potentially have been given to you from where you're born, from your how you're raised, from your ideologies. You know, that ideology like, hey, money doesn't go on trees. And you create that and you could perpetuate that within uh, adult life, so on and so forth. So first and foremost, I'm going to suggest to you to read uh, Happy Money by Ken Honda. Truly one of my favorite books. It talks about this. Yeah, we'll have a chance to write it down. So it, it talks about the ideology of the mindset of money and then money being an energetic source. Now, granted, there's so many books if you want to learn how to invest money, how to do it more the systematic way, but there is an energetic approach of money. And if you have that negative belief of it, money's not going to come to you and you have to be open to receive it and so on and so forth. So that's the first thing that I'm going to, I'm going to suggest. Uh, second thing over here in regards to what you kind of uh, alluded to uh, with everything that you mentioned is understanding that that ideology and something that probably you've already heard and everybody's here here but it's so true when you're in an airplane and things go crazy the mask comes down they always tell you put the mask on yourself first then you help your kids then you help the people around you and i think as an entrepreneur we have that ideology especially when we start hiring people and i know exactly what you're talking about because i've been there and i've done that same mistake and I realize that, hey, if I'm helping people and I'm paying other people, but I'm having a hard time living with myself, at the end of the day, I'm going to fail. If I fail, the business fails, then I'm not helping them along the way. So we have to be logical of approaching it. How am I paying myself in the same level as a employee within the business, as well as being the employer? So 100% lean on that. And it gets scary at points, 100%. But if you develop that from the beginning, as things get bigger and bigger, you won't push yourself back and be like, hey, I'll pay myself when I get a bigger dividend or X, Y, and Z. So those are certain things that I kind of wanted to highlight and I wanted to our listeners and our viewers to kind of lean into and, and, uh, and uh, pick up over here. So Andy, one last thing that I'm going to ask you over here, like I said, this is a great conversation, is our viewers listen to this and you talked about your new business in, in the beginning of the call here. If anybody's interested to connect with you, to get to know more about your business and your connecting business, where's the best place that they could reach out to you and your team? Yeah. 
I wanted to add really quick one quote that uh, hits that point you just said, which I love is you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. I should probably get that tattooed on my forehead. Uh, Maybe not forehead. Forehead is a tough sell, bro. Unless you're, (laughs) unless you're like in a, in a domain that doesn't matter. Tattooing your forehead, not a good idea, guys. (laughs) All the people in prison will love that. Uh, So our web URL is founderist. It's like founder with IST on the end, founderist.club. And so we have that for all of our social media monikers as well. Instagram at founderist.club. And then we have a live stream that we do on Fridays at nine o'clock Mountain Standard Time uh, that goes on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And then later they'll be going on podcast form. But uh, yeah, you can find us founderist.club. And then that's got a link to me and to Abby and to our other businesses and all the things. Andy, that is amazing. I will put everything in the show notes down below. My team will go ahead and do that. So it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Truly a great conversation. And guys, stay tuned for the next one. Have a great day. Cheers. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.